0: Good morning! The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Today is August 23, 2020. Welcome here to worship as we begin a few announcements. uh, First, obviously, I am not in one of our sanctuaries this morning. That's because I am still on vacation, and I figured why go down and turn on the air conditioning for just that one moment when I record the service, so instead you're here with me at my favorite vacation destination, my house with my birds, and of course that means there's no live worship this morning in High Falls or at Rochester. But next week we will. We'll be back in person. So 9.30 in person next Sunday morning at High Falls in Sanctuary and then the outdoor service at 11 a.m. at Rochester. And of course, these will continue all the way through. Another announcement this morning is that next Saturday is Rochester's Chicken Barbecue. If you would like to get a takeout from that, and it's only takeout, but if you like takeout, it's great chicken. Uh, Today is the deadline for ordering those tickets, at least getting on the list of reserved spots. So that information on how you can uh, get on that list and make arrangements for payment and the rest this week uh, is going to be available through your email. I sent it out yesterday, so you can check it out. Or it'll be on Rochester's Facebook page. Check that out, please. And then one other announcement is because I'm on vacation, can you tell? Uh, Because I'm on vacation, it gives me just a little more time to think about future planning. And the one thing that I realized is coming up in only about a month, a little over a month, is World Communion Sunday. And here in the middle of a pandemic, it's not exactly going to be the kind of World Communion Sunday you would hope for, where people can gather together and, and be in one place for celebration of Christian unity. So instead, I thought, you know what, we're going to sort of swerve into the skid, as they say, that is 2020, and instead we're going to do World Communion Sunday differently. Uh, what I want you to do is spend the next month thinking about what your favorite bread and your favorite juice that you would have to share with the world would be for World Communion Sunday, so that on that first Sunday in October, when we have Communion and if you're at home, you get to have... Uh, Something you can truly enjoy but in the meantime I also want you to take pictures of that favorite kind of bread and that favorite kind of juice and post it to Facebook that way we get over the next month as we prepare a chance to sort of celebrate and See what each other is doing for World Communion Sunday and extra points to the first person who takes a picture of a Taurus with that though we will begin our worship service today we continue our study of the gospel of matthew and we are up to john the baptist and the word repent or another word for repent is confess so let's begin this morning with our prayer of confession let us pray honestly oh god we confess although we preach take up your cross Really, we'd rather just avoid suffering. But there, O God, is a greater joy and a deeper well than our own comfort. We are not small things. Our bliss and our sorrow is not in our flesh alone. We are one with all creation, whose pain and joy is ours. There is a joy in being in the world, what we most deeply wish for it. When we divorce ourselves from the world, when we do what is ours, then we despair. But when we are one with the world, in love, its joy is ours. The cross, even with its pain, offers the deep reward of love fulfilled and the redemption of our wholeness and the resurrection of joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And then this morning also hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. He gives us strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even the youth, will grow tired and weary, and young men will stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. With those promises, do not forget then to also live the way Christ asked. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourselves. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This morning, our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. This is the introduction in Matthew to the character of John the Baptist. And for our purposes this morning, that all-important word, the word of the day, repent. But again, it's Matthew 3, verse 1 through 12. If you'd like to follow along, hear these words from Holy Scripture. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. When we saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestors, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and will gather his wheat into the granary, for the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in your light may we see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So I confess, I confess that I've gotten into the habit of using plastic bags when I go shopping again. You know New York passed that law earlier in the year that uh, plastic bags were banned and then if you wanted to use paper bags you had to buy them for five cents. Apparently in the pandemic that kind of all went up in smoke and I would continually forget to use my reusable bags, we weren't allowed to use our reusable bags for a while. I got very much in the habit of paper, and then there I was in the store, and it turns out a lot of stores are going back to plastic, and there I am using it. Don't get me wrong, I love a good piece of Rubbermaid, but I do believe that a disposable life is a disposable world, and that really isn't what God gave us God's creation for. So I don't need a law to tell me I shouldn't be using plastic bags, these disposable plastic bags at the store, I know it's not a good use of God's uh, creation and not good stewardship, and yet I'm doing it anyway. I also confess this morning that when I walk the dog around High Falls, I forget to wear a face mask. I'll be one of those people, honestly, with you at this point that I'm just like, People, wear a face mask. I'd like the world to get back to normal, and it seems like if that's the thing we have to do, if that's the thing that actually will bring down the risk to the point where things can open, businesses can open, schools can open, and people don't have to live in fear anymore just to be in public with a face mask, I'm like, then just wear a face mask. And yet, when I'm around High Falls, I regularly say as I'm walking out the door, uh, don't worry about it, you won't really bump into anybody. But inevitably I do, and there I am without a face mask. I'll also confess that I read an article this week an article about a guy who loves his yard signs. He has a rotating set of yard signs. And he got in trouble with his neighbors because his most recent addition to his favorite yard signs is one with the, uh, well, it's that word that people are using to describe Kamala Harris. Incredibly unfair word. You know, I taped an entire other version of this sermon already where I used, go ahead and used the word and told you what that word was. I'm not going to do it now. I'm coming back to retape this because I realized I don't want on record my use of the word. But you can look up what word it is that people are using. It it rhymes with Joe. Joe and the... I got really mad when I read that article because the guy's defense to his neighbors as to why he would put up such a sign was this. I love watching snowflakes melt. I got really angry because name-calling... Name-calling for Kamala Harris that doesn't deserve that at all. Name-calling because common decency in the world seems to be a threat all the time. If you would be outraged at me for using that word in a sermon, good. I didn't. Save it. Save the outrage for the world that seems to think that it's okay, that that's our public discourse now. But I got really angry, and maybe there wasn't a particular name that I used in my head, but I confess that to that guy who loves his yard signs. There was that kind of name-calling mentality in my own head that went, you so-and-so. I confess. Some of what I described are what is called cognitive dissonance, right? Or, uh, cognitive dissonances are things where you believe one thing but you act another way and so you make excuses or you, you, you do things to kind of justify it to yourself that you shouldn't have to live up to your values or another one would be an integrity gap where you just find yourself not acting according to the values you claim you have or forget all the fancy phrases how about this one hypocrisy acting like a hypocrite I confess all of them this morning I am NOT perfect I make these kinds of mistakes every day I word of the day repent here before you repent and guess what? I didn't melt. <laughs> I'm still standing. I still exist. I am not so small. I am not so fragile that I can't use the word repent. I can't, I don't have to be afraid to behave as one who repents. I am still here. Remember the Wizard of Oz? The, the Wicked Witch of the West gets water thrown on her and she yells, I'm melting, I'm melting, I'm melting. Well, guess what? Here in the waters of baptism. When John the Baptist yells at us, repent, throw the waters of baptism on me, I repent, and guess what? I'm not melting. I'm not the Wicked Witch of the West. I've made my mistakes. I have my sin. I am not the Wicked Witch of the West. I am not so small and I am not so fragile that I'm going to break or disappear because I use the word repent Or encouraged its use. Today is the day called repent. It's what John the Baptist stands in the wilderness calling out to all of us. And you know what's really interesting about John the Baptist and the word repent? In the book of Matthew, this is the first time Matthew says something that all the rest of the Gospels agree with. Up until now, everything that Matthew has said in his Gospel has been his. Not that it isn't special and important, that he had reasons to include it when Luke and Mark and John don't. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every single one of them agree. John the Baptist stood in the wilderness and called to the church, Repent. There's only a few spots in all the Gospels where that happens. Repent with John the Baptist, Jesus dying on the cross, the Resurrection. Some things are so fundamental to the Church and to the Gospel of Jesus Christ that you can't just leave it to one of the Gospels to paint that portrait. All of them know it has to be there. Church of Jesus Christ, this morning, you are not so fragile. You are not so small. And most importantly, you are not the Wicked Witch of the West. You can say repent because it is foundational to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that his disciples engage in this. Repent. I say that this morning because when you hear what John says, and and really the context of of John, yes, he's this guy who stands out in the wilderness. He calls everybody in a big general way to come and, and repent, be baptized. Did you also notice that really interesting part where he looks at the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he says to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, "You, vo- you brood of vipers, who do you think you are to show up here? Your fruit must be worthy of repentance." I had to look up that line. So I'm like, what does he mean? Your fruit must be worthy of repentance. Well. This is what he's saying. Repentance is hard work. It is. It's really hard work. It's not the kind of work that most people like to engage in. It's kind of like, "Eh, it's too negative. We don't want to hear it. We're afraid that people might be too fragile, too small to handle it. But he says to these Pharisees and these Sadducees, you have to do it. This is hard work, but it has to be done. And he accuses them, really, these standard bearers of the church, these standard bearers of the faith, these people who are supposed to know more and be more and be the representatives of God on earth, they are supposed to be the ones who are good at repentance. And he calls them a brood of vipers because they're the ones who are bad at it. What he's saying is repentance has to be done. And it's hard work. It's like farming. It's putting a seed in the ground and cultivating it all the way to the point where you get fruit out of it. But if you commit to the good work, the hard work of it, you will bear good fruit. And what John does is he looks at those Pharisees and the Sadducees and he goes, all I see is bad fruit. You use the word repentance all the time. But you don't actually do it in a way where you bear good fruit. Think of this this way, it's sort of the modern equivalent of what is happening here. You'll go into some churches today, the standard bearers of the faith, the people who are supposed to be the representatives of the gospel in the world, churches of Jesus Christ, and a couple of things happen. One is, there will be no prayer of confession. There will be no repentance. Why? Probably for the same reason that you're afraid of me talking about this morning. Because you're afraid people are too fragile. Or too small that they will break or melt or disappear because we've managed to use that word and so they don't do it at all they aren't willing to engage in the hard work which means they're not going to bear the good fruit or and here's more what the Sadducees and Pharisees were doing they used the word repent but that was just a title over some words they used it wasn't what John the Baptist or even what Jesus would have said repentance was So again, today you go into a church and they'll have that title over the prayer in the beginning of the service, A Prayer of Confession. But if you ever stopped and broke it down, what you're actually being asked to pray with them, here's what I can tell you about a good prayer of confession, one that actually has repentance at its heart. A good prayer of confession has the word I in it. Or alternatively, since it's a group project on Sunday morning, the word we, I confess. We confess. These are the things that we have done wrong. These are the things that we continue to do wrong. These are still the things that we would like God to help us change about who we are and what we do. If it doesn't have the word I, if it doesn't have the word we, it's not a prayer of confession. Sometimes what happens, and this is probably what the Pharisees and Sadducees were so good at doing, was they were good at replacing I and we with you or they. It's like the parable that Jesus will tell where he talks about uh, the, the religious leader who goes, I am such a faithful person. I pray three times a day. And Jesus says, you put out this big display of your own righteousness while you judge everyone else. That is not what I'm talking about. And that's not repentance. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. They put on this big show of, of the you are the sinners and they are the sinners. And they never say I or never say we because they are convinced of their own righteousness. You know, in our own denomination, they passed this mission statement. It probably goes back 20 years. I don't think it's a living thing anymore. But it wasn't a creed or anything. It was just a mission statement. Like, what does the denomination stand for? And here was the language in it. It said something to the effect of, uh, we are called to, and then here's the quote, we are called to a lost and broken world so loved by God. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. But nowhere in that mission statement does it say, and we are lost and broken as well. And you know what I saw happen with that phrase over time? Over time, I heard it over and over and over. It became this like favorite little line that many people would take to the podium at, at big general synods when the national group would get together for the denomination, and they would, they would talk about how we are all called together to care for the lost and broken world so loved by God with no confession and no repentance. And it's Pharisees and it's Sadducees all over again because you know what happens when the subject of those prayers is you or they out there and not I or we? You replace repentance and confession with domination. We're the righteous. We have the answers. Nothing here has to get better. Whatever we think and whatever we do is okay. We can call people names. We can act like hypocrites. We can have all our own cognitive dissonances, our own integrity gaps. That isn't what those are. Those are yours. You're the problem. They're the problem. We sacrifice repentance. Neither because we're afraid to use that word or because we use it wrong, we sweep it out. And in the void that is created, you know what comes? Our own conviction of our righteousness and our domination of the world. We become our own worst enemy. We become what John the Baptist says to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You brood of vipers! How dare you show up here Thinking that because you're chosen, you have no work to do. Fruit worth repentance, worth that hard work, the good work that you will be judged by, that we can judge ourselves by, is not how much we can make the rest of the world look act or think like us as Christians, but how much we are willing to humble ourselves and say, I, and we, when it comes time to repent. One other thing, because I know the word repent is one of those words that often feels like it's too negative. And it is the word that Pharisees and Sadducees use. It's too easy for us to point the finger at you or they. I want, again, to give you a foreshadowing because, yeah, John the Baptist is great. He is that guy who lives in the wilderness who stands out there and calls us all out. calls all of us out of our complacency and our comfort, our ease with ourselves, and says, no, you're not perfect Come and be with God, be washed, be made clean. You are not too weak, you are not too fragile, and you are not too wicked to be part of this. John the Baptist is great, but the foreshadow is is that this ministry of John the Baptist that we read about today will very soon become Jesus' ministry, and he will change even what John thought about repentance. Pharisees and Sadducees thought they could scream about repentance and it was a you and a they. And John the Baptist said, none of that. It's about I and we. And then Jesus did something else with it too, which is really, really important to the next kind of transformation of the word. Don't forget about people like Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? He's this wee little guy, as the song says. Zacchaeus, the wee little man, a tax collector. And tax collectors were hated. Not just because they take people's money as all t- tax collectors do but part of the way tax collectors made their money was they kind of were you know siphoning off the top rome would give you one tax bill they'd add to it to kind of gain their own wealth and nobody was checking on them they just got away with it so they were robbing they were stealing they were thieves among their own people no wonder they weren't liked and then you add the guy who's short and easy to make fun of and Zacchaeus is not a popular man, but he is drawn to Jesus. And so he climbs up in that tree to to watch Jesus preach. The thing about John the Baptist is if he had met a guy like Zacchaeus, seen him up in that tree, he, he, he would have just had that kind of general repent that he said to everybody without context or matching the moment. That isn't what Jesus did. The next transformation for Jesus of the word repent was that he walked up to that tree and he looked up and he yelled, Zacchaeus, you come down! I'm going to your house today. It was no less a call to repentance. Zacchaeus was no less responsible for becoming somebody other than who he was in that moment. But Jesus, here's what I want you to remember today. When Jesus talks about repentance, he also meets the moment of where people are when they need to hear that word. He doesn't just stand out in the wilderness and scream it at the world and ask you to come and join him. He goes and finds us. He finds us in the very places where we are broken and we are lost, where we are the people who get made fun of, even sometimes when we deserve it, because we're the thieves in our own lives. But he shows up in those places, like with Zacchaeus, and he says, okay, what needs to be different? The woman caught in adultery. The end of that story is that Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. Yeah, it's a call to repentance. But don't forget on how Jesus got there. First, he looked at everyone who had condemned her, or would be condemning her and said to them, you without sin cast the first stone. And then he said to her, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus absolutely cares about repentance, but what Jesus does differently than John the Baptist with it is that he meets people in the moment that they are and figures out how to say it to them. Not just this great big blanket, repent, but in a way that says, let me help you become the person you want to be. The woman at the well, yeah, Jesus calls her to repentance too. He names to her the things that she's been doing wrong in her life. But she goes around away rejoicing because of it. Rejoicing because guess what? She's not too fragile. She's not too small and most importantly unlike everyone else who thinks She is the wicked witch of the West and completely Incapable of being redeemed. Jesus says no you are And he does it in the moment that he finds her He shows up in a place where nobody else is with her because nobody else will have anything to do with her She's at that well by herself. Jesus meets her in the moment. I'll leave you with that question because it's it's kind of a spectrum, right? Most of us in our lives, and I'm convinced that the vast majority of you out here watching this this morning, you are not too small. You are not too fragile. And I know you are not the Wicked Witch of the West. You are not beyond redemption. You are not beyond hearing God say to you, Repent. God believes that you can be that person, and you can. But it's a spectrum of meeting us in the moment. For me, I could be living in Jerusalem, and I could hear the guy out in the wilderness call, Repent, And I'd be fine. I'd just go out there and meet him. And there's some people, let's be honest, there are some people. And this is where the church needs to be careful. There are people in the world that hear that great big blanket, repent, like John the Baptist says it. And it's just another moment when it feels like they're being told they're beyond redemption. When they are the wicked wicked witch of the West where they actually are fragile enough that if they hear it one more time, they will melt. There's a spectrum of life. Jesus figures out how to meet people in that moment. Here online, I can't do that. I mostly can just stand up for John the Baptist and say, hey, word of the day is repent. You don't have to be afraid of it. it. can't be a thing we throw away. It is foundational to our faith. But in the real world, when we get to meet again, let's make sure we don't forget the task of meeting people in the moment, wherever they are, between just being complacent enough that they can just show up on the wilderness and those who need us to come and sit with them at the well. Somewhere in between most people are, and better than this, Israel ministry. Just don't forget, you are not too small. You are not too fragile. You are not the Wicked Witch of the West. These waters of baptism will wash over you. You will not melt. No, you will get up changed, transformed, and you can become that picture of joy and redeemed creation That is the sanctification, the change in our lives. Repent. The new beginning starts now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we again thank you that you sent Jesus into the world. And as he begins his public ministry and we listen to these stories Remind us again that even in our fear and even in all the representations we've seen of it that has been done wrong by every Pharisee and Sadducee out there that has pointed at us and the them and refused to look at themselves and said, Repent. Help us push all of those things out of our minds and focus on the repentance that you have in store for us. You who believe in us and know that we are capable and we are worthy of your repentance because we are worthy of your redemption. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we close today, hearing the word repent for ourselves, now we say a prayer of intercession, which is for others. As we try and do that, and do that well this morning, let's do the best we can to meet the moment with these words. I encourage you as we pray to imagine with grace Zacchaeus, the woman caught in adultery, and the kind of world God wants for them. Let us pray. Lord, may justice flow like a river reaching barren lands and sun-scorched deserts. Where people feel forgotten or hopeless, let your water of life comfort them. Where children lie abandoned or abused, let your water of life protect them. Where communities suffer at the hands of prejudice, let your waters of life shield them. We ask for your mercy to reign from heaven. May your sons and daughters hear your voice. May we live as you lead us to live. Go as you bid us to go, serve as you inspire us to serve, give as you teach us to give. Until your kingdom come, until earth and heaven be one, we ask for all these things in the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face upon you and give you peace.